0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's The Rundown with your boy, Reed, and I'm your host, your boy, Reed. Super excited to be coming back at, at you guys. I know it's been a while since my last episode. It is Monday, uh, excuse me, Monday, May 13th, coming to you as a recent college graduate of Georgia State. Your boy Reed made it to the finish line, finished school, walked last Wednesday. What a crazy week it's been! Crazy weekend it was. Uh, a lot of family came into town, friends were around, so many parties. Great, great time to be alive. Uh, super excited to finally be done with school. I keep pinching myself. And I know that that this was, uh, this the rundown started out as my, my internship for school. So I want to give everyone uh, that, that's listening a big shout out, a big thanks for showing me support. Ended up getting an A plus on my internship. So uh, killed that. And really excited about that. That's why I've been had a little little hiatus here past couple weeks. Been super busy with finals. I've been freaking out, wanting to make sure I was gonna graduate. But we are coming back at you with full force. Um really excited to be giving you guys this episode. And we're we're definitely not the rundown is not gonna end now that school has ended. The rundown will forever live. Forever live. So super excited. This episode 20 coming at you guys. Little little stuff I got put together. Got two pages of stuff. Super excited to be bringing it to you guys. As you can tell, I'm very excited. And I uh, gonna talk to you a little, a little bit about the like the, the crazy the crazy conference semifinal games yesterday in the NBA. We're going to talk to you about the Falcons draft picks and the, what my take on that. We're going to talk to you a little bit about the NBA lottery, which goes down tomorrow night. And then a couple other things, and then we're going to get out of your hair. But I appreciate y'all rocking and rolling with me. Like I said, back for episode 20. Super excited to be back talking to you guys. I know I've had a couple people reach out and ask where I've been. And it's like, man, I just... I was so worried that I was going to fail a class and have to go to summer school, and I'm like, man, the last thing I want to do is walk across that stage and then have to go back to school over the summer, like some people I was in summer school with last year, so super excited to be able to come back at you guys, so yesterday, uh, the tail end of the trip, finally, uh, with everyone leaving, family leaving, uh, with Denver playing, Portland at at three thirty. I believe no, yeah, yeah, three thirty. Uh, it was at three thirty, and and uh, I was Actually, I was watching the game before I went to a a late lunch, early dinner. Happy uh, shout out to all the mothers out there. Happy late Mother's Day to them. When I left the game, when I left the house though, the game Denver was killing Portland. It was like a seventeen point lead, and uh, and and Denver had nothing really going on. I mean, excuse me, Portland really had nothing going on, and especially Damian Lillard had nothing going on. And I'm like, man, the the, 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 the Trailblazers are really going to go out like this. They're going to lose this Game 7. And and all the talk about Damian Lillard being underrated and how he should be talked about as one of the best best go, uh, point guards in the league, or, or let alone best players in the league, and he's going to go out like this. But but uh, unbeknownst to me, his, his partner in crime C.J. McCollum actually stepped up huge for the Trailblazers and and ended up dropping thirty seven points. Brought them back into the game, and they eventually took the lead and won the game at the end. Crazy game, uh, game seven atmosphere in the NBA is something something that's hard to hard to match, especially with the NBA guys because the NBA regular season is so long as it is. It's like they don't really try 110 percent like they do in the playoffs. And then once it's playoff time, you know that these guys are uh, are giving their all. They want they want to win the championship. They want to take it home. So uh, yes, yeah, so Denver lost to. Portland 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 goes on to play Golden State it'll be interesting to see with Kevin Durant out uh, I I thought that he popped his Achilles tendon when when the injury actually happened and you know they are still calling it a a calf strain or something like that but it could all be smoke and mirrors he could have a freaking torn Achilles and we just don't even know and they don't want anyone to know and it could be smoke and mirrors like I just said but be interesting to see how that turns out and 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 will the backcourt of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard be able to withstand the splash Slash bros of Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. That's something that I don't think I would bet on. I think the Golden State will, will advance, will make it to the NBA Finals. Something that I'm kind of getting sick of seeing, but something I, I think will happen. But let's get to the Eastern Conference game. Holy cow. So the game was in Toronto. Toronto, uh, Philly, uh, Philadelphia, 76ers. The game was in Toronto. Jurassic Park, the, the, the area outside of, of the arena in, in Toronto was going crazy. People were going crazy. The game was crazy. It was back and forth all game. And it was like, uh, at one point, the, the Toronto had the lead, I want to say, throughout most of the game. I, I watched the entire game. It was like very, very... Slow game though, and it was like no one for Toronto or Philadelphia wanted to do anything wrong, so therefore they didn't take chances to do anything right, and and they played very timid. Aside from a couple guys, JJ Redick uh, definitely was not scared, and he uh, he he got out to a hot start and he ended up uh, closing on, on a pretty hot little streak. I think he had, he only made four three pointers, I believe looking back at the stats right here. I got yeah, he only made four, but they seemed to come at very clutch times. Toronto seemed to defer to Kawhi Leonard a lot. And the question I was asking myself at the beginning of the game was, oh my gosh, is Kawhi going to get tired out and they're just going to not have anybody to help him out? Kyle Lowry was a little bit non-existent in the first half. It was like, who's going to be that guy? And it ended up being Serge Ibaka. Uh, and it's so funny because my buddy uh, Alex Easton, shout out to him up in Toronto. He was going crazy. I was texting him back and forth the whole game. And I actually have the PlayStation View app. That's how I, I watch my, my TV. So I don't have it on cable, straight cable. So people that have straight cable get stuff. That they, they, they There's a little a little bit of a delay for me so with sports I got to flip my phone over when something's going on because I don't want to see a text from someone that, that that oh my god did you see that shot and then I look up and then the shot gets made and this is definitely something that held true in this game with the last minute to go I flip my I threw my phone in the corner I'm like no one's going to text me or call me it was hilarious and Toronto was up one and and Philly had to foul with, I believe, 11 seconds left. Kawhi Leonard goes to the line, makes the first one, misses the second one, so Toronto's up two points with, like, with, like, ten seconds left, nine seconds left, maybe. Jimmy Butler comes flying down the court, makes a running layup, and they he ties the game. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this game's going to go to overtime. I want Toronto to win. I'm like, Toronto might have blown their shot. Oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? They got time for one more shot. I believe there was four seconds left. And everybody in the building knows Kawhi Leonard's going to get the ball. Like I said, I had thrown my phone in the corner at this point. I called Caitlin in from watching Housewives in the living room. I'm like, babe, there's four seconds left in this game. They're tied. They're going to give it to the guy with the brain. And he's gonna shoot it. And hopefully, they win. And ho- oh my gosh, it all it all happened right in front of me. It, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard gets the ball, dribbles to the right side of the uh, of the court, and over Embiid for two. And it was clink, clink, clink. And it dropped, and I went nuts, and so did she. Oh my gosh, it was insane. That ball seemed like it was hanging on the rim forever. Kawhi Leonard did exactly what he was brought to Toronto to do. He made big time shots in big time games. He had a huge game. 41 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, and had Embiid in tears. Joel Embiid was in tears after that game. Tough loss for him. Good to see some emotion from a guy playing at the NBA level, making millions of dollars, still showing that he's got that emotion. Embiid finished with 21 and played the most minutes that he had played all series. So he definitely gave his all for the team. But Toronto ended up moving on. They're going to play the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that will be interesting. It's going to be Greek Freak, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo versus uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard and, and it's going to be a great matchup for, of, of teams Milwaukee seems to be on a roll and might be the team to do it but I like Toronto Toronto is, is a sleeper I like Kawhi Leonard he makes arguably the biggest shot of his whole career actually no like digress he was the MVP of the finals for the Spurs so let's not forget that in the finals um, when they beat the Heat but top 5 shot of his life he hits and the guy's like yeah it was pretty cool I, w- I really wanted the ball to go in, and, and it did, and we just worked so hard that, that I'm just I'm just really happy and grateful. And I'm like, dude, you got to show some emotion. But uh, shout-out to the Raptors. Shout-out to Eason, like I said. At Jurassic Park was going crazy. And so, yeah, we got our Final Four set up in the NBA, Portland Golden State, Toronto, Milwaukee. We'll keep you up to date with those series. Uh, they start in the next couple of days. But moving forward, talk a little bit about the NFL draft. I know I really I really dropped the ball when it came to doing pre-draft and post-draft stuff for you guys. I'm Sorry, I just had to graduate college. I've been in school for so long that I'm like, I am not going to let these stupid finals mess me up. So I, I, I had to prioritize that. It is what it is. But the Falcons, you know... Everyone wanted uh, the big splash pick. They wanted him to trade up. They wanted some sexy stuff to happen with the Falcons. And they ended up going the safe route. And they they, they scooped Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, and, uh, who was a guard, and, and uh, Caleb McGarry, the tackle from Washington. They moved up to get him in, in the back end of the first round. Uh, Kendall Sheffield, they got in the fourth round, uh, a cornerback out of Ohio State. John Kaminsky, defensive end from uh, Charleston University not College of Charleston a uh, very small school and uh, then late, later picks they got Quadri uh the Pittsburgh running back Jordan Miller corner from Washington Marcus Green running back from UL Monroe I'm going to talk just a little bit about these first couple picks and then uh, and then move forward and then if we see or hear that some of these late round guys are, are making splashes in camp we'll be the first to fill you in but a lot of people were, were, were critical and did not like that the Falcons drafted Chris Lindstrom with their first pick at 14. They can say that it was a little bit of a reach. It might have been a little bit of a reach, but he was arguably the best guard. He was the best guard in the draft. Got him. Uh, with the 14th overall pick, traded back up, got Caleb Caleb McGarry, the big tackle, the big bruising tackle from Washington. I've already heard a couple of interviews from this guy. He's like that big nasty offensive lineman that you love to have in the locker room with you, and and has got your court. someone hits Matt Ryan next year, he's gonna have a whole lot of problems. Caleb McGarry is gonna be coming down uh, on somebody if they want to take a shot at Matty Ice. But that's what we need, and everybody, all these all these people nationally and in Atlanta, all they do is criticize my and criticize Matt Ryan and it makes me want to rip my hair out and and tell him that they're they're idiots because they are idiots. And Matt Ryan playing an MVP level uh, uh, playing has been playing at an MVP level arguably for the past 3 years. And he won the MVP 2 years ago, guys. Come on. Everyone just Relax. The team doesn't do well, and people blame the quarterback. Those are people that know nothing about football, and nothing about sports. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. If you're in your car and you want, you want, you got something to say, shoot me a text or shoot me a tweet, and we'll go back and forth on that. But now that Matt Ryan has these guys in front of him, Lindstrom, McGarry, we talked in the past about how how we had signed James Carpenter and and I can't uh, the, the guy's name slipping me the, um, the other. The, we drafted two we, or we signed two other guards, and we had we t- we signed Ty Sambrelo. Remember we talked about him. Past podcast so no more excuses for Matt Ryan now I, I am with you guys if he has this offensive line in front of him if we invested these picks in the offensive line and I think Chris Lindstrom and Caleb McGarry could be day one starters for the offensive line and not only that Alex Mack does not have forever y'all as much as we want to hope that he's going to be our center for the next seven years he's not He'll, he'll probably be our center for the next two to three more years. And then hopefully Chris Lindstrom can slide right on over. And then we can keep the train moving. And I know it stinks. It's not the sexy pick taking offensive lineman, But the thing is, there was no one there at 14 that I would have loved to see them pick ahead of him. There was no one. It was like... I know Mel Kiper wanted him to take Greedy Williams Greedy Williams slipped way back And all the, all the edge rushers That we had talked about wanted Christian Wilkins uh, Dexter Lawrence uh, uh, Cleveland Farrell um, And Oliver uh, All these guys, they could have got the guy From from, um, from Florida State I think, but I wasn't even a huge Fan of him, it was like, I'm good I'm good, Christian Wilkins went to the Dolphins right before us, I would have liked to have Wilkins, but you know what if Dan Quinn is our defensive coordinator now at the Falcons, if he didn't like who was on the board defensively in our first round at the at the top end in our first pick, and said go offense, I trust in him and and hopefully it really solidified the offensive line with these two guys and uh, and they'll they'll be able to protect Matt Ryan and give him time to get the ball to and 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 my boy uh, Devontae Freeman will be back this year. X-Factor for the Falcons. You heard it first here on, on the rundown with your boy, Reed. Devontae Freeman is going to be the X-Factor for the Falcons. He will determine how far the Falcons go this year. If he's running the ball well behind that offensive line, it just adds a whole other element to the offense. But but we'll see. After going offensive line with their first two picks, the Falcons, they, they didn't have a pick till the fourth round. They ended up picking up Kendall Sheffield, a, a real athletic, instinctual corner out of Ohio State. Someone that... Maybe doesn't have the technique, but he has the instinct. So someone that uh, Dan Quinn can coach up. Someone that's played behind people like Marcus Latimer, who plays for the Saints and has has been a great corner for two years. Denzel Ward, who was a stud for for the Cleveland Browns last year. So he doesn't have much film. Because he had first-rounders playing in front of him at Ohio State. So hopefully he learned a couple things from them. Be interesting to see how he develops maybe as a nickel guy. Someone someone that can uh, step in, especially if Isaiah Oliver struggles with Albert Robert Alford being gone. Uh, Sheffield might be someone that can step in and play as a fourth-rounder. That might be a little too much to ask. But uh, got John Kaminsky after him in the fourth round. Like I said, defensive end out of Charleston. Big lanky, uh, not not so much lacks athleticism. I want to say. I mean, to be in the NFL, you have to be an athlete, regardless. But someone that doesn't really wow you with the numbers, but is kind of a bruiser, um, very raw. Played at a small school, so kind of tough to tell with the film. Uh, Quadri Olison, the Pittsburgh running back, big, uh, big guy, big back, six over six foot, two twenty, and I think that's someone that the Falcons could end up developing into their fullback. And, and that's something that we actually could upgrade on from Ricky Ortiz last year. So interesting to see. So, yeah, I mean, as, the, as a whole, I give the Falcons about a B, I'd say. Solid B, B-plus-ish. Um, I might be a little homerish when I say that. But, hey, if we get two starters on the offensive line that can start on the offensive line for the next five to ten years you'll be going back and looking at this episode saying, Reed, you should have given him an A. So um, shout-out to Thomas Dimitrov, Dan Quinn, and the Falcons. And they did open up. Minicamp is all opening up so uh, 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 over these next couple of days and weeks. So, uh, uh, Rookie minicamp, excuse me. So we'll get to see what these rookies had to offer. I know the Falcons was last week. So we got, that's where we got some sound, sound bites that I heard from the new guys. So uh, Rise Up Nation is hopefully going to be doing well, and we're going we're gonna to come back next year strong. And uh, moving forward, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, excuse me, talk a little bit about the Atlanta Hawks nation and the NBA lottery tomorrow. And the whole question is, who's going to get that number one pick? Because the number one pick is essentially Zion Williamson, a transcendent player for, for any organization that's going to get him. The The Hawks have a 10% chance to get the first pick in the first round, but Everyone knows the NBA lottery is fixed. I don't foresee the Hawks getting the pick. I'll be going crazy if they do. I'll be super excited. And I'll be giving you a podcast on Wednesday. But I think that they're gonna they're gonna make the the envelopes for uh, the Knicks and the Chicago Bulls. I think they're gonna stick them in the freezer. Or no, actually, no, they don't even do that anymore. I was trying to make a joke. So the whole thing about Patrick Ewing when he was uh, the first pick for the New York Knicks back in the day, the the whole claim was. That was when they used to just pick an envelope out of a thing randomly, and the whole claim was that they put the envelope for the Knicks in the freezer, so it was freezing cold, and and the commissioner at the time was able to tell which one it was uh, because of how cold it was, and he picked it out as the first pick. But now they do the ping pong balls. I was trying to be fresh and make a joke, and I just ended up uh, biting myself in the butt. But whatever. Falcons have. Or, excuse me. Hawks have a ten percent chance to get Zion. I'll take it. Better than a zero percent chance or a five percent chance. And uh, like I said, I think he'll end up going to New York or Chicago those are my my, my uh, early picks to get the first pick I know it's all a lottery but I think it's fixed y'all we need to get the first pick and the sixth pick if it's not fixed and I, and we're hoping for the best the, the Hawks want the first pick and the sixth pick the first pick being our pick and the sixth pick being the Cavs pick that they traded us for Luka Doncic, and 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 if we will get the Cavs pick regardless, as long as it's out of the top five. So be interesting to see where the ping pong balls fall, and it's something that in the past I really haven't been too interested in as a Hawks fan, but I'm interested in it now because I want Zion just like everyone else. But even if we don't get the number one pick, a lot of, lot of good guys out there. I don't know if we would go the John Morant route with number two. I know many other teams, if not every other team, would. Um, John Morant's a stud. I know you guys heard me talk about him in the past when it came to the NCAA tournament. Watching him play, he was an absolute animal in the tournament when they won that game. Dro- messed around, dropped the triple-double in the first round. But um, some other guys to look out for, like we talked about in past podcasts for the Atlanta Hawks, the draft would be someone like a DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. Jarrett Culliver, our boy who kind of disappeared a little bit in the Final Four, but had a great tournament as a whole and a gear as a whole for Texas Tech. Uh, Cam Reddish from Duke and RJ Barrett from Duke. So Reddish being more of the shooter, R.J. Barrett being the left-handed slashing guard, uh, excuse me, slashing forward. So it'll be interesting to see where the ping-pong balls fall. Love to see Zion come to Atlanta. Would definitely change the city and give us give us some hope. We definitely gain a lot more Hawks fans, that's for sure nationwide, but but we'll see. We'll get back at you. We'll let you know what happens in the next episode of the rundown. But moving forward, I was actually able to go out to Lasseter High School spring practice last week. Pretty awesome being being in that environment and again, my, my uncle Eric came into town uh, last Tuesday, and that was the beginning of all the graduation festivities. So my dad and I went out to the last year spring practice with him, which is something I've wanted to do, uh, been wanting to do for a while. I've been slacking in that in front, but I was able to check out the new offense. They actually got a new coach. Uh, shout out to uh, to Sean Thom, uh, and it, it, he's someone that actually came from the college level. He came from Mayville State. Mayville State, an NAIA school in North Dakota, and uh, the quote that I found was, uh, he said, I miss Friday nights in Georgia, and heck, I live in Georgia, and I play football in Georgia, I know exactly what he's talking about, I miss Friday nights in Georgia, I need to quit slacking, and I need to go and check out more Lasseter games uh, this coming year, but I want the team to be better, and, and it's something that, that, that I know you guys are like, alright, shut up about this, but... Something we started back in 09, my, my senior class, we won the first playoff game in the history of Laster football. That's something that I really pride myself in, and I felt like we got the, the program going in the right direction. And, uh, and, and they kind of took a step back, and hopefully, hopefully the coach, coach will be able to get us back on the right track. And, uh, and and we'll be able to uh, get it going. The offense seemed real simple and very similar to uh, Chip Lindsay, the Godfather himself, Chip Lindsay's offense, who uh, who now is the offensive coordinator at the University of Kansas after being at Auburn this past year. But uh, yeah, shout out to the Trojans. Best of luck to this year. I know, uh, and most of you guys don't really care about Lassiter, but I do. So I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, a, a talk about them every once in a while if I can. And uh, we're going to try and get out to a game at least one time this 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 fall. And uh, like I said we got to check out practice last last Tuesday so uh good good deal there and uh let me give you guys a little little shout out little tip of advice go ahead and and I know I talked about at my 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 last podcast with Nate about Tiger winning the Masters and and about my experience in Augusta so you can go ahead and you can sign up for the lottery to win tickets for the Masters for next year 2020 This is something that I think that everybody listening should do, and you should tell everybody that you know to do also. And if you don't even want to go, just just shoot me a text, and I'll buy them from you, and I'll go. Because I want to go every year from now on. After going, one time you're like, oh my gosh, I want to come back every year. So I have already gotten in my my, mind. I requested the maximum amount of tickets. For Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I can uh, hopefully get one to either the practice round, which is what I went to this year and was a lot of fun. Or maybe I can luck out and get a Sunday ticket and, and go check it out. But that's something I definitely think everyone should do. It's free to do. You don't have to pay anything until you get win the tickets. So, And like I said, if you don't want the tickets, just do it anyways because you can only do it one time from every address. And I've done it from my address one time. So if you do it from your address and you win... Give me a call, and I will give you some money for those tickets. But uh, yeah, Masters Lottery, get it in. Get it in. I think the deadline is sometime in mid-June, so we're already here in mid-May, something that could easily slip your mind, and then once Masters comes around next year, you're going to be the one missing out. Um, well, a couple more things, and then I'm going to let you guys go right here in 22 minutes. Been an awesome show. I'm so excited to be back at you guys and uh, and giving you guys some content and uh, and and like i said we will be back at you at least once a week with the rundown sorry i've been slacking school had to take a little priority and it's funny because i want to give a shout out to julian edelman he actually graduated from kent state so i went to school for technically uh what i took three and a half years off so let's call it six and a half years ish Julian Edelman is a thirteen year senior and he graduated from Kent State so like I said in my Instagram post it ain't how you start it's how you finish and shout out to him getting him going back and getting his degree something that someone like myself went back to school and, and, and finished it up after taking three and a half years off was uh was was definitely something that was tough and I had to persevere through it. And I guarantee you it was, it was definitely tough for him living the lifestyle he lives and playing professional football on top of going to school. So shout out to Julian Edelman. And, uh, and I'm going I'm to leave you guys uh, – I'm not going to talk about the Braves on this, on this episode. I'm, gonna go to, I'm going to the game this Friday. They play the Brewers. And so I'll, I'll, I'm going get to the, get the scoop of the game on Friday, obviously, if I come to you with an episode before then, we'll do some brave stuff for you guys. But uh, I just want to want to say real quick, uh, I'm excited to be back, congratulations to all the college graduates, you know, I'm not going to get too sappy about this, I just want to let put this out there, you know, the day that I re-enrolled in school, I know I joke around that I went to school for, I, I know I graduated 2009 from high school and I just, I just finished up in 2019 and 10 years is a long time and... And I made the choice to go back to school on June 29th, 2014. That was the day one of my good friends, Philip Lutzenkirchen, passed away. And and I was sitting in the office at the barbecue restaurant, Dickie's, that I worked at. And I was just like, man, I cannot... I got to do something more with my life. I can't be. I can't. And, and I'm not belittling anything. I'm not trying to talk badly about anybody. But I just said, look, I can't work at this barbecue place for the rest of my life. So I, I have to have more. There's more to my life. And with someone like Philip passing like that, it was such a shock. I didn't know what to do. I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know what? I got to re-enroll back in school. What, am, what have I been? What have I been waiting for for the past three years? And that was the best decision that I've ever made in my entire life. Was going back to school and getting my degree. And I am super excited to have that degree super pumped and uh and excited to be giving you guys these rundown episodes and uh and it's all because I I live like Lutz learn from Lutz and uh, and 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 that's my boy Phil Lutz shout out to him always going to be with me in spirit and with everyone else and uh and and I want everyone to check out the Letzi Forty Three Foundation, something that his his family has set up a, a, after his death. And and um, great material, great everything. I just wanted to put that in there. I'm not like I said, I didn't want to get too emotional with you guys, but it's something that I. I I don't talk about too much, and it was a a journey, and I'm really excited to be done, excited to be giving you guys episodes of The Rundown, and we're going to keep on giving them to you guys even after I get a real big job uh, out in the real world. But without further ado, I'm your boy Reed, and like always, if you can't be saved, be careful. I'm out. Peace!